Welcome to CBO Speaks, the official podcast of the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO Susan Wheeler Johnston, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission for this podcast is to ask chief business officers to reflect on their careers, share personal examples of the ways they have navigated challenging situations, and offer some lessons that they've learned from their experience as a CBO. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of research and tools at nakubo.org. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CBO Speaks. Thanks so much for being here today. My name is Megan Strand, your host, and I'm so excited to be joined today by Debbie Edition. A. Stone, Vice President for Administration and Chief Financial Officer at California State University, Fresno. Welcome, Debbie. Thank you, Megan. Uh, It's nice to be with you today. Thank you. Well, 2020 has certainly thrown us all for a loop this year. So our first question for you today, Debbie, is if you could go back to this time last year and teach yourself one thing, what would you say that thing would be? There's uh, so much that comes to mind when um, you pose that question. And, um, you know, I, I even tell myself, you know, even now, it's like, I can't believe it's September 2020. Uh, what, you know, what happened in the last six months, I know for all of us are, have been um, so fast paced and a little bit, a little bit probably blurry too. Uh, and when I reflect back on to, you know, last year at this same point in time, you know, we had a, a, a bustling campus, uh, you know, I was, you know, students, faculty, um, you know, events, programs. And when I look back and reflect, uh, what I would teach myself is maybe to have appreciated those, those opportunities, those in-person um, interactions, conversations, just the energy um, that we're missing on campus right now with having such a limited population. And, you know, maybe just appreciating some and taking the time to appreciate some of those um, moments, um, even just, you know, when you stop and uh, meet a colleague on campus or have a, just an impromptu conversation and, you know, miss those opportunities so much and, and maybe to have, you know, taken the time to do that more, not realizing, you know, what was ahead of us and what we would be uh, pivoting to in, uh, in the spring. Uh, but um, I think that that for me is if I had to go back to last time, you know, go back to last year at this time. And I don't know that I would say I would teach myself, but I think it's more of a reflection uh, about what's most important and what we've been missing uh, the last six months um, as we've all transitioned for the most part to virtual um, instruction and, and remote work. Just being a little bit more um appreciative of what is around you. I feel like maybe going forward, I I wonder moving forward, what are we not appreciating right now that, you know, in a couple months from now, things could be different even still. So I think that's a great, that's a great lesson. You know, there's so much we can wish we could rewind, you know, whether it's maybe a different budget decision or a different operating decision or, you know, a different policy that maybe would have been helpful or guidelines. But I really do think it's more about missing um, our colleagues and our students and that energy and vibrancy that I think we all thrive on because that's why we've chosen these careers and, and that's why we've chosen to, to be in higher education. And, and I think for some of us, that's um, truly what, what we're missing and uh, hope to get back to when it's safe. But um, probably for me, that's what I've missed most. 
Debbie, what would you say, you've just kind of alluded to this a little bit, but in the last Mm -hmm. couple of months alone, what would you say has been one noticeable way that you've changed the way that you lead or have to lead as a CBO? And it's difficult to say one noticeable way because I think it's been a, you know, various factors. Feel free to share several. (laughs) Okay. So I, um, I know one of the ways I've changed is I have tried to slow down. Uh, there's a lot of decisions and a lot of issues we're all being faced with on a daily basis, weekly basis, and there's no playbook for for this. We are navigating, um, we are all navigating new territory here. Uh, and so I've, I've really tried to, because uh, I, I operate at a pretty fast pace, so I've really tried to slow down uh, to do more check-ins with my colleagues uh, at all levels, uh, peers, staff, uh, leadership team, um, faculty colleagues, uh, in, in taking the time to do more of those check-ins, uh, which is, I think, very important. We're leading in different ways. We've, we're, you know, I think we're being tested in our level of resiliency, um, patience, and I think for me, the care is is these check-ins that I'm trying to be more purposeful of, um, of um, you know, just checking in with my colleagues just to make sure because everyone this the, this pandemic and our transition, uh, I think you know has affected everyone differently, and um, I think it's important that as um, CBOs we you know our areas of responsibility tend to be more um, in depth and broad, and we we cover more areas or we're asked to come in and and, and help in many areas, and and so I think for me that's that's what. Um, some of the noticeable ways that I've tried to change or adjust and, and, you know, taking those opportunities to, to demonstrate that so that that helps helps also to permeate within our division and the messaging um, within the campus community. When it comes to slowing down, was that something you found you did naturally or did you have to intentionally pull yourself back from your natural fast pace to address everything that you've just, you've mentioned? For me, I, I had to be a little bit more purposeful and focused because it doesn't come naturally. And I think for many CBOs, you know, we, we probably have some similar personality um, traits and and pace of, of our work because we, we're needing to be so responsive and so immediately responsive, whether it's a risk management issue, a public safety issue, a human resources issue, a financial issue. We tend to have to be, uh, you know, responsive um, very quickly. And so I, I did have to learn to some cases, maybe not, not react as quickly to trying to solve the problem and taking just a little bit of a pause and, and maybe doing a little bit more consultation or getting feedback. Uh, but we, we did have to move quickly through this pandemic and we did have to make some decisions quickly uh, for the right reasons. Uh, so now that, you know, we know once the decision was made for, you know, our fall instruction and now for spring, you know, I'm finding that, you know, okay, it, it's okay to, to take a little bit more time if necessary as compared to maybe the mode we were in, in in March and April and May. Lots of case studies being made probably as we speak in terms of, you know, looking back and yes. uh, it being the Monday morning quarterback in terms of all the decisions that are being made, I, I think, in probably every single sector. So let's shift the conversation a little bit and talk about um, the next generation of higher education leadership. You probably have lots to share with the next generation of higher ed leaders. Um, but how do you think that current CBOs can best prepare or develop those leaders? And particularly given the backdrop of wanting to 
um, diversify the field? A very good question. And, you know, we're always looking for talent and we're always looking for those that the next generation of, of leaders that are going to come after us. And that's another area where, um, you know, we do need to be purposeful and when, you know, in our recruiting efforts and our retention efforts. And I think to uh, be cognizant of noticing that talent and to encourage that talent to consider, uh, you know, a career in higher education. When I first started at Fresno State, I did not see myself having a, you know, 30 year plus career here um, at Fresno State in higher education. I said, okay, this sounds great. Something, you know, I, I love Fresno State. Um, I can do this, you know, for a little while, get some experience and then, and then move on, you know, to the private sector. And there is such a um, higher education is just the work is so meaningful and it's so broad that even as I'm talking with, you know, graduates or, or recent graduates, I do always encourage them. I said, think about higher education. Um, I never thought about that as a career when I graduated, but had the you know opportunity to, to be mentored and, and to work for great leaders that encouraged me to keep going. And that's what I try to do with, um, with our kind of next generation of leaders. And, and I let them know, I started as a student assistant um, here at Fresno State. And, and now to be, you know, a vice president, I would have never had predicted that. And I, and I hope that my story might help to resonate with others. And I just, I tell everyone, I said, be ready for those opportunities. Be ready for someone to tap you on the shoulder and consider an opportunity you may not think you're ready for or prepared for. And I'm not sure if we're ever fully prepared for some of these opportunities, but to be ready and to have the confidence to lean in and know that you will have that support and that mentorship and that encouragement from other leaders because we, we want to see you succeed and we want to help you succeed because we want to make sure that when it's our time to retire um, or to you know, transition to other opportunities, that we're leaving our division, our university uh, with the most you know capable um, team that's going to come in behind us um, to lead in the next generation, and those leaders are out there, but it's on us um, as as senior you know administrators to be identifying that talent, to be identifying those opportunities, and to encourage them to consider higher education as a career. Uh, and I and I think that's incumbent upon us to ensure that we have that um, stability and that. Um, constant leadership um, as, as we transition um, when, when it's time. Thinking about not only our CBO listeners, but also any listeners who might be considering a CB role, as you've just alluded to, as maybe their next career move. Debbie, what would you say the top three skills or attributes that are most crucial for CBOs, especially given everything happening right now um, that's coming to the forefront, given this lovely global pandemic we're all experiencing? Well, the one, the three that come to mind immediately are um, skills would be strategic because in all areas and not just in one area, I think learning to be strategic in, in a multifaceted way, uh, the perseverance, which with that, I think comes flexibility and resiliency. Um, as CBOs, I think sometimes we're called upon to, to be that, um, that expert, um, 
in the room, uh, the ability to, you know, help saying, you know, we can get through this. We can, we can get through this. We will get through this. This is how we're going to get through it. We tend to be in our roles, the ones that need to come up with the plan um, and, and get the feedback on the plan, but be able to kind of put something out there that provides that guidance and direction and that confidence and collaboration. Uh, we cannot do our jobs by ourselves. We we need our colleagues in all sectors, whether it be student affairs, academic affairs, um, tech, you know, information technology. We can't do what we do without the support of our our colleagues and our other disciplines. And that collaborative spirit, that collaborative approach, uh, really serves our institution uh, in the very best way. And as CBOs, I think that is one of our responsibilities is to ensure when we are, especially in this in this time we're in right now, that that collaboration is coming through in all decisions and in all um, guidance and um, directives that we're, you know, providing to our campus community. Uh, because our campus community is looking to ensure that, especially that our senior leadership is aligned and that we are all going in the same direction together for the greater good of our institutions. So in every higher education institution, the role of the CBO is just a little bit different. So Debbie, would you tell us what you think makes your role at Fresno special or different from other CBO roles? Well, it could be, Megan, because I've had my entire career here at Fresno State. <laughs> so I know sometimes I I, um, I uh, feel like I have the institutional or historical knowledge and probably the only kind of senior administrator with this many years of experience at Fresno State. And I've chosen to stay at Fresno State for various various reasons, being my, my alma mater, but also so invested in our community um, and, and really believe in the mission of Fresno State and, and our Central Valley and the, and the access and affordability uh, that we are able um, to provide to our amazing students who um, graduate from Fresno State and go on to do just amazing, amazing things. Um, but I would, I would say um, my, maybe because of my institutional experience and having started as a student, uh, really appreciate the, the respect and the ability to work with my colleagues across all sectors and our faculty and our students uh, because I've, I've come through the ranks. I've, I've had different positions that have afforded me a great broad-based experience and I've gotten to work with faculty and department chairs and deans over the years and and colleagues in student affairs and athletics and, and, in, and in all areas. And I think that broad-based ex experience that I've been able to get on our campus over the years and always trying to be flexible and responsive to whatever the needs might be rather than, you know, being seen as just kind of being stuck maybe in, in, in one certain philosophy or approach that I think, uh, and we've had different leaders come through our institution. Uh, and I, and I think you may have heard Megan, our uh, President uh, Dr. Castro was just recently um, selected as the new chancellor for the CSU system. That news just um, was announced this week, and that means another you know transition for our campus. But I know we're going to be fine because we've had such amazing leaders um, over the years who have who make sure that we're ready for the next um, you know generation and that next chapter. And 
I feel that one of the roles I've been able to play is being able to help during some of these leadership transitions and bring that stability and um, organizational knowledge um, to our campus and, and for our, our future leadership. So I've, I've always tried to say that, you know, whatever role I can help to play and whatever resource or, um, or initiative that we can help to support, um, we're here to serve. I think that the serve, the service um, piece of our jobs is always so important and that it's not about any one of us. And it's how we can support our students, faculty and staff, our community and ensure that our institution is, is doing its very best in, in serving its educational mission. Okay, now the question that everyone loves on this show, as you think over your career and your time at Fresno, can you tell us what you consider to be your most fabulous failure and maybe what you learned from it? And clearly here, we're just looking for, you know, in hindsight, something that you didn't know before that you knew now and, you know, unfortunately had to learn the hard way. Well, there's probably not just one. (laughs) It's probably more (laughs) difficult. And I think uh, there's been, I think one of the things that's so important as a, as a leader is that we can reflect Uh, that self-reflection is so important and the lessons learned from all of the experiences we have and the challenges we've been through that we are not, we are not perfect. We, we make mistakes. I, I tell my colleagues, I said, I, you know, I make mistakes every day. I learn from um, decisions we've made or, or reflect back on maybe how I would do things differently. I have to say, and I don't, I don't say this in very, very lightly, and it's difficult. I don't, looking back, I can't say that I've had a fabulous failure. I think there have been areas where I've learned from and had to kind of pick myself up from um, and rely on others and, and the, the mentorship and support I've always had from our administration and, and from our campus community, you know who you can rely on when you have those moments where it's okay, what, what, it, you know, how do I, how do I work through this? Um, how do I learn from this? Uh, what could, what would I do differently in the future? And I don't think that's just a one time. I think we are constantly doing that and need to continue to do that. And you know, it's sometimes hard getting that constructive feedback, but it's it's very important because that's how we grow as leaders. That's how um, we continue then to to know what we could do better. And this one, what this question was hard for me because I couldn't think of just one that was so impactful that it maybe you know changed my either perspective or my leadership um, philosophy. But I I learned from everyone. I learned from everyone that I come in contact with. Uh, I'm, I'm able to work with our very closely with our philanthropic um, foundation board uh, that has very strong community um, uh, industry um, experts. And I just try to learn from from everyone and always trying to learn what I can do better um, to serve our institution and and learn from, you know, the mistakes that we all make and, and will continue to make no matter what level of um, maybe, you know, leadership we, we have. Uh, but I think it's very important to appreciate all, all of our levels of leadership and to listen and to be, you know, active listeners and, and to be able to take that constructive feedback and not to take things personally. I think that's one of the things I've really um, needed to learn that, you know, this is, this is not personal. This is, we are, we are mission driven 
and we have a role to do in, in service. And when these opportunities for, you know, fabulous failures occur, we, we need to learn from them and grow from them, but we can't dwell on them either. We do need to kind of, you know, move on, move forward because there's too much to do, too much important work to do. And it's not about us. It is about the role we play in serving our respective institutions. Well, Debbie, thank you so, so much for sharing just a few of your insights and experience with our listeners today. We so appreciate it. Thank you, Megan. It's, it's been a pleasure. And um, we we all have, um, you know, our jobs may, may look a little bit differently um, on our respective, you know, campuses, but I know we're all striving for the same goals in, in serving our our campus communities and and most importantly our students that's why we wake up every day and do what we do well said thank you so so much you can find out more about debbie and today's episode by visiting the education section then click podcasts of nakubo.org make sure you subscribe to the cbo speaks podcast in apple Podcasts so that you'll get the latest episodes instantly and on behalf of debbie and myself i'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of cbo speaks